Okay, all right. Getting things kicking off here. <clears throat> Got my first coffee of the day in my gullet. And I might make a second one after the show. This is weird. This is cool. Wednesdays at noon. That's what I'm doing this thing now. Um, it's been 10 days since the last show. Uh, last episode was the last um, Hashgraph Enthusiast News that was on a Sunday. <clears throat> we moved to Wednesdays now at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Um, and yeah, the, sh the show's going through a lot of uh, changes and exciting updates. I mean, we um, split the show, so now we've got the news and interviews separate. So this, what you're listening to right now, the live broadcast is the, the weekly news, <clears throat> the top 10 stories in the ecosystem and community. And then I'll also be doing interviews. Um, but uh, it's yeah. It's, to be honest, it's been a crazy month. September has really been a month of so much change for the show. <clears throat> and I'm excited. Um, and just, I mean, a top level note for this episode is I'm also trying out a new format. We're going to do the kind of top 10 stories in the ecosystem, like I was saying. And when I say top 10 stories, I mean, these are the stories that go through kind of the it's Brandon D algorithm. Do you know what I mean? So that's kind of the flavor of the show is these are the stories that I feel are most important to the community and the ecosystem right now. Um, they're the ones that I see being talked about the most. They're also the stories that I can contribute to the most and bring the most value to. Um, and also they're the stories I'm most interested in too. So those are kind of factors that play into it, but that's kind of the, I think that this is going to be a little better going forward. It's something to grab onto. Everyone loves a top 10 list. I'm pretty sure some people will disagree with the order of some of these, but that's part of the fun, right? Um, and then in addition to like, I get DMS from people all the time. I see all sorts of little things out there. So I'm also going to be doing shout outs, other quick little mentions of things just to make people aware. Um, so <clears throat> that's exciting. But in general, these next couple weeks, there's going to continue to be changes. I'm trying new things. It's really been a, a, a year of, you know, listening to the community feedback um, and, and receiving so many different contributions from people like the show's raised a bunch of HBAR, so I have a little bit of a budget to work with now. So, and this isn't a bear market, you know what I mean? So it's it. there's an energy behind this show, which I'm really excited about. And to me, seeing those contributions come in with the fun transaction memos and stuff, it tells me something, right? It tells me to do more of this. So that's what's happening. Um, and uh, yeah, this week we're going to be talking about the uh, new Stablecoin Studio from Hedera. That's massive news, big news. WorldPay has a new USDC settlement um, system leveraging Hedera, which is big. Hedera is looking for a new president, also big. Um, then, you know, the testnet had a little glitch. ServiceNow is uh, launching products now that are using Hedera. So another governing council member. Um, the UAE is kind of seeing a little bit of a boom in regards to Web3, but then also Hedera specifically. So we'll, we'll touch on that. Um, 
Dovu continues to see um, quite a few advancements. Like, you know, I interviewed uh, Matt Smith. He's the CEO of, or sorry, CTO of Dovu um, on episode 93 or 92, 92. I interviewed Matt Smithies and um, there's just a lot going on with Dovu right now. I feel like they've, they've woken up from a year of pivoting and development. So um, we're also going to talk about Dubai and the stuff that Toko is doing down there. We're going to talk about domains on Hedera. That's kind of an ongoing story. So I want to touch on that. And then also Tomb um, launched their Identify MetaMask snap, which is huge. Um, and then I got a couple other things I want to uh, to chat on. But with that, hello from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, a.k.a. it's Brandon D. It is Wednesday, September 20th, and you're listening to episode... 94 of the Hashgraph Enthusiast News Show. I'm calling this one bigger than we think because I have a sense. I, I'll talk about it in a minute. I'll talk about it in a minute. But anyways, that's the title of the show, Bigger Than We Think. And uh, like I said, this is a weekly news show. We cover the top 10 stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between. Um, and we're live on X Spaces every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, YouTube, and other platforms to hear past episodes. Also, remember, catch the Hashgraph Enthusiast interview episodes weekly. Um, my next, I mean, again, I've been putting so much work into the show, I haven't had time to book a guest for an interview. Um, I have a few people asking. I have a few people I'm interested in having. So stay tuned, follow along. I'll be announcing guests for the show. Um, and like I mentioned before, it's separate from the news, right? So guest interviews could happen any day anytime, whatever works best for the guest. So you're just going to have to kind of watch and stay tuned in and you might catch something awesome live. Get all the info you need about the show and subscribe at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. And for folks listening live now on X, it's so weird saying X, but I feel like I fully transitioned now. I'm no longer saying Twitter. And most importantly, I feel like folks understand what I'm talking about now. So it's X now. It's weird. So if you're listening on X now, uh, you can check out the post pin to the top of the spaces. It's got some info about the show. Um, it's got the top 10 stories. I'm trying something a little different where I used to do these mega threads for the show, like where it would just be a giant Twitter thread of all the stories and everything. And to be honest, it was I did that for a year after I transitioned from Clubhouse to Twitter. And it was cool. I think people enjoyed it, but Twitter threads, I don't know, stuff gets lost and chopped up and it was just confusing for some people. And also too, from when I create those mega threads to then after the show, some things change. There's there's new updates to add that happen after the fact. So <clears throat> something new I'm doing is I'm not going to do a mega thread before the show anymore. I just think it's it's too much work. And instead, what I'm going to do is just give a brief overview of the top 10 stories. And then after the show, tomorrow, a blog post will be uh, published. It's brandond.com slash hbar alongside the actual episode with the, you know, you can listen to the recording and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to have like the full summaries of each thing with links to all the different things all in one place. So like more shareable, easier to uh, to dive into. So Keep an eye out for that. Another change to the show. But yeah, if you're listening, um, you know, share the spaces now. 
uh, the more the merrier. And if you've got some interesting news people should know about, click the bottom comment button at the bottom right. You know, uh, if you got an update, I'll mention it on the show. Uh, and for folks listening to recording on podcast platforms, leave a comment, break down your thoughts on what we talk about. Let's keep the conversation going. So some quick things off the top. Let's just dive into it. Karate Combat, um, they're growing. I saw a post today that was interesting, um, and they've got a dashboard. I wish more projects would do this. They've got a dashboard where it kind of displays um, all of the different KPIs, the key performance indicators for their project. So, for example, for Karate Combat, how many karate tokens are being used to bet on these fighters and how many individual people are interacting with the platforms and what are those trends that the community can kind of um, take away from that? How how well is this is Karate Combat growing? It's a great thing. So they launched that dashboard. Um, they're growing at about 60% event over event, which is great. They had 4,500 unique players for Karate Combat 41, which uh, if, if folks were on X, you know, following along, there were some cool videos and photos like Saucer Swap, had a sponsorship spot. You know, I got to be honest, the Karate Combat stuff's kind of a, you know, an eight, major H-bar vibe, so I dig it. They had over 700 million Karate Token played. Um, and like I said, the dashboard for the stats, I sent it a tweet um, just before the show. So the link to that is there. But yeah, shout out to Karate Combat. Um, Hedera is doing a Discord call on September 29th. So that's kind of on Discord. You can tune in. There's going to be Lehman Baird. Um, let me check the tweet here. <clears throat> They're going to have Lehman Baird on, obviously the co-founder of Hedera and the inventor of Hashgraph. They're going to have Sashil from Drop. Um, and they're also going to have Greg Scullard from Swirls Lab. So three heavy hitters, right? Lehman Baird, obviously. So Shield from Drop is important because that's in relation to kind of the Fed Now news. And then you got Greg from Swirls Labs, which is going to be important because he was kind of a key player in the um, Stablecoin studio that we're going to talk about shortly here. Uh, so three heavy hitters. We know kind of why Sashil and Greg would be on that call. But why is Lehman going to be on that call? I mean, of course, he's a figurehead. He's probably going to talk about Hedera. But specifically, Hedera says Lehman's going to be talking about Hedera's path to decentralization. So obviously, this causes speculation in the community about are we going to hear about updates regarding community nodes, right? Are we going to hear about some of these things that were, you know, in, in the scope of that pathway to decentralization? Is Lehman going to have updates for us? I don't know. But it's in Discord. It's in the Hedera Discord server. Um, and then for any of the like major OGs, the Hedera um, original barbarians out there, if you remember those Zoom town halls that Manson Lehman used to do, the Discord ones are, they give me that same vibe. I wish they had Lehman and Manson on more. But to be honest, you know, there's a lot of Swirls team members. There's a lot of community members on there. I've hopped up there to share some updates from the working groups for the uh, the DAO ecosystem, the DeFi ecosystem, and the NFT ecosystem. So it's a great... It, tune in. Uh, and I don't know what time... 9 a.m. Okay, 9 a.m. Uh, uh, Pacific, Friday, September 29th. Tune in. Check that out. Um, <clears throat> Want to give a shout out to... Um, I'm not super familiar with the Hashroom project. Um, I don't know a lot about it, but I know that um, it's... I've been tagged quite frequently on on X um, when I'm working on research for these episodes. 
Um, I've had quite a few people say, hey, you should check out hash rooms, you know, hey, you should look into this stuff. Um, and to be honest, you know, I just haven't had a chance to check out the project. I'm not going super heavy into DeFi and NFTs right now, um, just because I've got a lot of consulting work and I've got the show and you know how it is. But if I see something enough and the team is, you know, um, is cool, uh, I'm open to it. So I, I replied on, on X and I was like, Hey guys, like, why don't you send me kind of a breakdown, a summary bullet point of, you know, what's important about this hash room project. And I can mention it on the show. I want, especially to bear market, people are building, doing something cool, bringing value. Um, I want to talk about it. So <coughs> they responded. Um, and I got to say, it's a good sign when a project can, uh, quickly and concisely break down their, uh, their value propositions to the community. So quick Coles notes on hash rooms. They're the premier peer to peer NFT lending platform on Hedera. So similar to, there was another one from the Zeus people, I think, um, basically, you know, um, it's NFT lending, right? So they provide instant loans against NFTs for short-term liquidity. You can be a, a borrower or a lender. So if you're a lender, you can offer HBAR for loans. You earn interest from the NFT pool. And if you're a borrower, you can borrow from the NFT pool using NFTs as collateral. Uh, the loan terms are seven or 14 days. If not repaid, the lender claims the borrower's NFT. The loans are typically less than the NFT's floor price, ensuring value for lenders. So pretty straightforward, makes sense. But the fun thing here is on their first month, they transacted uh, about 290,000 HBAR. Month two was 306,000 HBAR. Month three... Uh, they're projecting 500,000 HBAR. So, it, you know, th th there there is value moving through this hash rooms thing. Um, they've got seven collections. Uh, most recently, Legends of the Past, Infinity Jar. Their upcoming edition will be the Earthling stuff. Um, and this is, they, they specifically said to me, this is an MVP, right? Minimum viable product. Basically meaning this is just... Um, the best way to put this is it's like a beta product, right? They're trying this out, seeing if this brings value to the community. Um, and they're looking to do some UI and UX improvements. Um, and lenders earn 2.1 to 4% in age bar. Um, anyone with an NFT can borrow. And yeah, there's benefits for shroomies holders. So with that all being said... Just wanted to give a quick shout out to these folks. Um, and again, not financial advice. I haven't used the project myself. And this stuff is very risky when you talk about DeFi and lending and all these different types of things. So do not lend if you don't know what this platform is about. Do not borrow if you don't know what this platform is about because you will lose HBAR and you will lose your NFTs. But people are getting value from this and it's something you should check out if you're curious. Their team you know, seems pretty responsive. So check it out. We've also got... Um, Amazon is using Avery Dennison. Uh, they're going to be using it for uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Avery Dennison, as folks know, is a governing council member. Avery Dennison does the Atma IO platform, driving a majority of the transactions on the Hedera network. And Avery Dennison has partnered with Amazon for a seamless purchase experience using RFID technology. Is this going to be leveraging Hedera in any way? We don't know. Um, we just know that Avery Dennison continues to leverage Hedera for the carbon offset component of their use case. So you hear the you hear the word Amazon, you get excited. You hear the word Avery Dennison, you get excited. Are they using Hedera? It's a mystery to me, but it's on your radar now. So stay tuned to that. Um, also, too, 
Bitthum has listed HBAR, uh, and there's a user on Reddit that says the following, I think, puts it best. They say, quote, with the Shinhan Bank as a partner in South Korea, it might create some buzz around there. Uh, and again, Bitthumb is a um, as a Korean exchange, a very large one. <clears throat> and this Reddit user continues, all in, you can expect such a modern country to adapt faster to new technology. About 98% of South Koreans use their mobile phone for things like TV, etc. LG, which is on the governing council since 2020, is also from South Korea. So, it you know, when we look at certain areas like India, South Korea, Australia, Dubai, these these places outside of America where Hedera is starting and the governing council is starting to plant these seeds and start to build out this scaffolding. These kinds of news items get me excited. Like a new a new exchange listing is great. But again, in these types of markets where um, there, there might be a different type of reaction to it, it's exciting. It's worth having your uh, worth having it on your radar as well. Also, too, a quick quote from Lehman that he had that I found fascinating. And shout out to Orbis eighty six, which is an NFT project on Hedera. They're big in the music space and the art space and everything like that. They did and Sonia from from Orbis eighty six. Shout out. Um, they did a great interview with Lehman, and he said something great on the interview. Quote. Even if we only had 10,000 transactions per second, the economics work out beautifully. We have one user, obviously at my IO, Avery Dennison, doing 1,000 transactions per second right now. And we have a lot in the pipeline that want to do a lot more. So, right, right from Lehman's mouth, we've heard that quite a bit, that there's more coming. So we'll have to see. That was a cool quote from that interview. Um, bu- 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 uh Oh, there, there was a fun tweet from uh, from Rob Allen. He noted that at the uh, Token 2049 conference, all the staff was wearing Hedera shirts because they were a, a main sponsor, I guess. So that was kind of cool. Um, also, Hedera sent out, <clears throat> if folks remember recently, I interviewed Oliver Thorne, who is the social media manager for Hedera. He's sending out all those wacky tweets from the Hedera account that keep on getting deleted. And we talked about um, what happens with all of that and what his plans are um, as 95% of the content that you see from Hedera on social media is from Oliver. And Oliver uh, started out, you know, arguing about HBAR and the cryptocurrency subreddits and stuff like that. So he's a true H barbarian. But um, on the 13th, Hedera tweeted out, uh, quote, through Hedera, all things are possible. So jot that down. And um, seems to be maybe a reference to a Bible quote, Matthew 16, uh, 19, 26. Um, so just Hedera continuing to to have a spicy tweet here and there. So I dig it. Um, Algorand also announced um, a transition to peer-to-peer gossip, um, which is interesting. And, and uh Brady responded, I don't know if this conversation continued, but um, for folks familiar kind of with the ongoing back and forth, the Algorand and Hedera community have kind of been butting heads recently, um, as we've talked about on the show. So um, Algorand Foundation tweets out, quote, the Algorand protocol is evolving to a peer-to-peer gossip network, not requiring relays while maintaining finality and block time and introducing consensus incentivization a game changer towards true decentralization. <clears throat> so that raises a few eyeball, uh, eyebrows. 
Um, and Brady, who is the director of marketing at Hedera, responds, Hey, Algorand, curious about architecture details of this transition. When you say peer-to-peer -peer gossip, is this referring to a change in the underlying consensus mechanism used by the Algorand network? Any reference to open source Hashgraph consensus? Thank you. So I haven't seen any update on this, but obviously folks at Hedera are curious if Algorand is leveraging um, any kind of aspect or whatever of, of, of what Hedera is working on. So um, it definitely appears as though major networks are starting to um, get a little more into the stream of where Hedera is, which is validating, uh, but piques curiosity. Um, also too, uh, Grace from the HBAR Foundation published a piece in, uh, in, the, in the blog, in the foundation's blog, highlighting um, uh, a few things from the permissionless conference. Um, and basically the key takeaway there was real world assets um, and uh, stable coins are basically top of mind uh, at that conference and generally in the Web3 space and also just in the enterprise, you know, technology space. And she was just cementing the fact that Hedera is positioned so well for both of those um, verticals, which is pretty obvious. So great insight there. Um, Drop was also mentioned in Forbes. Um, and again, Drop uh, is one of the integration partners for the FedNow stuff. Um, we've covered that on the show. Very exciting news. It actually was such big news that it caused a little spike in HBAR price. And recently they were mentioned in Forbes. And the quick excerpt from that article is, quote, the FedNow service provider showcase, an online resource connecting financial institutions and instant payment service providers recently featured Drop, a Hedera-based micropayments platform. So clearly the, the FedNow stuff is continuing to cycle through that news. I think that that has more gas in the tank. Um, and it's good to have Hedera use cases kind of at the forefront of that. So we'll continue to watch that. Um, the uh, This was a really interesting one, Binance related. Binance announced a new CEO being the former SEC and Federal Reserve Bank of New York, um, Norman Reed. So, you know, former SEC and Federal Reserve Bank of New York is now the CEO of Binance US, and there's been some other um, news on that front. Also in the SEC wheelhouse um, is a judge that has declined the SEC's request to inspect Binance US. So that kind of macro crypto stuff continues. Um, the craziness continues. Um, as we know, it's been a crazy year. Lots has happened. I mean, geez, it's been a crazy two years, but... Um, no sign of slowing down, obviously. The Dovu saucer swap yield farm is live. So that means that you can now um, provide that liquidity to the DEX um, with your Dovu, the new Dovu token, right? That was migrated from the old one. Uh, that migration happened again. We talked about that um, previous episodes, but that yield farm is now live on saucer swap. Um, there's a great article too, um, in a website called Finbold. And again, this will be detailed in the, uh, blog post that I'll put out, um, tomorrow for this episode, but there was a blog, a big blog post by, uh, Justina's and basically it breaks down Hedera versus Ethereum. And the question is, is it time to leave the giant, right? So, 
um, making the case for migrating from Ethereum to Hedera in a very kind of detailed fashion. Like this is a pretty substantial article. Um, so again, I'm going to link this up, but this is a, this is a really interesting article causing a lot of conversation in the community. Um, let's see what else is going on. There's been a drop in TPS on Hedera as well. Um, where are we at right now? Uh, yeah. Uh, 580 TPS. So as folks know, historically we've been rocking it at, um, about a thousand to, uh, 1500 TPS. And if we go to the, yeah, so on the 13th, we dropped from 1500 TPS down to 500. This happens. Um, we've no, we've seen it happen in the past. Um, let's look at the last year. Um, we saw a dip like this um, end of February, early April, um, early July. Um, and now, so it's usually tied to obviously the Avery Denison Atma IO case. And it's usually due to the fact that they need more HBAR to fund their use case, or they're doing some kind of upgrade or what have you. So, um, historically these drops in TPS have been, um, you know, continued with a, with an overall increase. So it's funny, like when you see these TPS drops, people have a, a less of a tendency to get worried and more of a tendency to get excited. Um, so we'll have to see, um, Lehman gave a great interview recently as well, um, for the H bar foundry, shout out to the H bar foundry. Um, they've been going strong for like two or three years. They got like 150 meetings under their belt. It's a group of ecosystem participants, wallets, um, folks from swirls, folks from the Hashgraph association, the foundation community people. Um, and they had a chance to interview, interview, uh, Lehman Baird. I think it was Jeremy from Walla Walla and Jim Nasser from Acor. And it was a good interview, good insights. So shout out to those guys. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, I tweeted it out. Go check it out. Um, and uh, Hashpack noted recently, there's been some explosive growth on the, uh, on the main net in regards to just NFT minting. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, 600,000 NFTs. Um, so Vavil games is going crazy. And also too, like there's, there's, you know, Vavil games, there's uh karate combat. There's some of these like high profile web three Hedera specific, uh, you know, projects that are just driving these massive numbers, uh, which is exciting. And then a quick mention just before we drive into dive into the top 10 stories here is, um, Hashpack, uh, launched version nine. Uh, which is the uh, profile pro proliferation. So basically um, anywhere you see an account ID, you can see their profile card, which can be a, you know an NFT profile picture, uh, one of your uh, Hedera domain names as your username. Um, so Hashpack making moves uh, with some interesting updates in version nine, which I dig. Um, and really like as we, as we get into the top 10 stories here, uh, and I want to start off with, um, the Hedera stablecoin studio stuff, um, uh, which I'm really excited about. Um, the title of the show, you know, bigger than we think, um, again, we're in a bear market. People are spread really thin. Um, you know, similar to myself, a lot of people in the Hedera ecosystem have, have had to take on more like consulting work or more, 
um, traditional type of work to pay the rent or to, 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 to sustain the ability to participate in the ecosystem and all that kind of stuff. And what happens is, you know, the, the, the trade-off is you kind of lose the pulse a little bit and you're not so steeped in the news and you find yourself a little out of the loop. And I think that some of these stories that are coming out and that have come out, especially over the last six months, I think are, you know, there's, there's a, there's a time window, right? And, and these things get announced and they kind of go dormant a little bit. And then like a year or six months later, something else happens where they either like similar to the, you know, Atma IO stuff from Avery Dennison, it was kind of teased and teased and teased. And then boom, it came online uh, with very little warning. Even the Fed now announcement caught drop Hedera and everyone off guard. No one knew it it was coming alive. And I think that, you know, some of the things we're going to talk about today and some of the things I already mentioned are bigger than we think um, because the way things feel right now is so constricted, um, like the ox, there's not enough oxygen to go around. Um, I think that reminding ourselves that some of the things happening on Hedera are genuine, genuinely like massive, um, and not only bigger than the Atma IO stuff, but are going to kind of open up completely new avenues for crypto. And it all comes down to the, to the technology, right? Hedera Hashgraph. Um, I think with these foundational elements being being put into place um, and a lot of these proof of concepts we've been talking about, um, I think that we're going to start to see a very different cadence of announcements, weight of announcements. Um, and I just, I don't know, there's something happening right now that that causes me to go, some of these headlines I truly feel are bigger than we think. I really think we got to think a little bigger on some of these things. But the Hedera Stablecoin Studio, this is something I'm really excited about. And again, something bigger than we think. So it's an all-in-one toolkit that is set to redefine the future of stablecoin applications in the crypto space. Um, and we're going to talk about a few people involved, but the three main ones obviously are Swirls Labs, the HBAR Foundation and IO Builders. IO Builders is uh, a you know a development shop that um, Greg Scholar at Swirls works with to do a lot of these work. Do a lot of this work. They're they're kind of an extension of the Swirls development team. <clears throat> and for folks unfamiliar, I mean, a stablecoin is a type of cryptocurrency designed to have a stable value by pegging it to an external asset like you know the U.S. dollar, and it's got to be audited. And proof of reserve referred to kind of as POR, is a system that ensures the security and transparency of a stablecoin by continually monitoring off-chain assets. So effectively saying, if you've got, you know, a million USDC, is all of that USDC backed by an actual dollar, you know, so that proof of reserve is the system in which anybody can can confirm that, yes, this, this asset, this stablecoin is backed by something. <clears throat> so... Hedera, in collaboration with Swirls Labs, the HBAR Foundation, IO Builders, has unveiled the Hedera Stablecoin Studio. This open source toolkit simplifies the configuration, issuance, and management of stablecoins. And it's got features like proof of reserve and seamless integrations with custody providers, 
And I think that this is poised to be a game changer. So a few notes about the stablecoin landscape. Um, I mean, Visa processed 148 times the value transacted versus stablecoins. So when you look at the actual amount of money moving through these rails, Visa moves alone moves 148 times the value that, that stablecoins do now. And that's because stablecoins need to operate at speed. Smart contracts and ERC-20 stuff alone isn't going to cut it. Uh, there are just trade-offs that are not going to be able to be made. So really the bottleneck for stablecoins is that speed. But the other element to that is if you look at what Hedera is offering is, you know, HTS, the token service is fantastic. Those assets move around so quickly. But then you, without smart contracts, you kind of lose that programmability. You lose that ability to um, have some of those other features that you need. So this stablecoin stuff is a hybrid solution. Um, and the, you know, if we look back at kind of these legacy um, fiat rails, right? Like Visa or just the way banks move money back and forth. Um, you know, there's just huge limitations. And that's kind of the pain point that stablecoins can solve being that settlement layer. That's why Visa is looking at it. That's why MasterCard is looking at it. That's why um, PayPal is launching a stablecoin. This, this is a genuine problem that needs to be solved. Um, and there's all sorts of workarounds trying to be made. But I think that this stablecoin studio from Hedera is an offering in that market that's going to be really attractive because it's kind of the best of both worlds. Um, and something interesting was there, there was a stable coin issued on Hedera by ANZ bank, right? Um, and this was done via smart contracts, but it didn't leverage HTS, right? It didn't have an HTS token. It had an ERC 20 token. So the ANZ bank token is a great example of a product, a stable coin product released on Hedera that didn't leverage the benefits of HTS, the speed and inherent security. Um, so this, I think this stablecoin studio is an effort to kind of align all these different things. And they've been working on it for over a year. Um, and I got to say, this is great branding. I mean, Hedera gets dunked on a lot by me um, for stuff like the consensus service, like probably the worst name you could have picked for the Hedera consensus service. Because as we've seen, it caused, it is causing massive amounts of confusion when you compare Hedera doing a ton of transactions to Solana doing a ton of transactions. People go, oh, those transactions on Solana are fake. And they look at Hedera and they go, oh, Hedera's must be fake too, because a lot of these are consensus transactions, which means that these are just pointless transactions between different nodes and internally in the network and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's not the case. They're real transactions, but it, I mean, they, they could have called it something better. Well, this time, I think they did a good job. Stablecoin Studio, it sounds cool. I dig it. Shout out. Um, and the goal here is, they, it, you know, this is what Greg Scullard, again, uh, the um, director of the uh, developer advocacy at Swirls is, that, you know, he wants this to be a way for, you know, people, enterprises, projects to test out a stablecoin and set one up within minutes. Um, and that is a key piece, I think, missing in the space when we look at, again, the visas and the MasterCards and these different types of things. And we go, why are they using Solana? Why are they using Ethereum? Why aren't they using Hedera? 
And probably a big part of that is, is there's nothing they can like dive into right away and try out. Well, now there is. Now they can dive into this right away, try it out, take it for a test drive. Um, the technology space is ruled by demos. You live or die by the demo. Um, so the Stablecoin Studio is, a, is you know, a really great way to demonstrate the capabilities of the Hedera network. And actually on the Discord call, the Hedera Discord call happening on Friday, the September the 29th, um, I believe that Greg is going to be doing a live demonstration of the Stablecoin Studio. So I don't know if he's going to be using kind of the, the text-based CLI interface or if he's going to be using, like he mentioned too, they have like a like a web interface. So I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be very cool. So you're going to watch a stable coin get created in real time. Um, and again, the key component of this is it's a hybrid product, right? You, if you just use HTS and you just use the, 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 the protocol layer products on Hedera, you're lacking the programmability and KYC and all that kind of stuff that a smart contract can facilitate. But if you're just using a smart contract and ERC 20 stuff, you lose the inherent security and speed of the native layer tokens on Hedera. So you do that best of both worlds where initially um, transactions to manage that token are going to be slower and a little more expensive. I mean, still way faster and way cheaper than any other network. But when it comes to the token, actually, you know, you and I moving money back and forth and, and moving these tokens around, it's going to be so cheap and so fast and so secure. So you get the best of both worlds. Um, and Greg also mentioned um, that they are building, specifically, they're building a solution to a problem they experience. Um, and Sabrina also from the foundation says they're building this based on feedback from all of these proof of concepts, right? So if you remember the, the Shinhan Bank and Standard Bank remittance proof of concept, um, recently the second proof of concept uh, remittance test from Shinhan Bank. Um, and all of these other, all of these news items and proof of concepts and trials, anything related to stable coins that we've seen, all of that knowledge and feedback from these major institutions and enterprises have been synthesized and put into this new product, the Stablecoin Studio. So it's not just kind of blue sky thinking and putting something out. It's addressing actual real problems that governing council members have experienced creating stable coins. Um, so that to me is really, really important. Um, and the key component is um, something that Lehman Baird and Mance Harmon would often say is um, HCS, right? The, the consensus service is the quote unquote gateway drug to crypto for a lot of enterprise. Um, another way of saying that is you don't have to have a tokenized aspect to your project to use HCS, right? You don't have to have a token. You don't have to have a Web3 application to leverage the Hedera consensus service to um, you know, keep track of ordering and all those different types of things. So these initial stablecoin proof of concepts that, that were being done leveraged HCS to do that handshake. But when it came to actually settling those, this is filling that gap. Um, so uh, the big thing here as well is the proof of reserve component because when you have these stable coins and you go, okay, what are they backed by, right? Like, are these things backed by something? Um, the, the, the automated verification component of this is so critical because if let's say, you know, 
put it very simply, if you have a gold-backed stablecoin, right, that means that you have gold somewhere in a safe, right, or at a location in custody that is backing that asset. And people want to know, you know, if the gold is in that safe. So let's say you provide those audits and reports monthly. Well, that's pretty secure. Maybe you provide it weekly. Well, that's more secure. Maybe daily, that's even more secure. So the frequency of those reports increases security. Um, so the Hedera Stablecoin Studio um, offers features for automated proof of reserve verification. This means that the system continually monitors off-chain assets. Um, that's that's really big. And with the proof of reserve, issuers can provide transparent reports, attestations, often done by third-party auditors to verify that the necessary reserves are in place, um, and they've integrated with a, with a bunch of different partners. And I just want to give a quick overview of kind of this stablecoin studio ecosystem. So we've got, um, in regards to issuers of stablecoins, we've got Shenhan Bank, obviously, Rivia, Standard Bank. Um, who is this? I've got my, my uh, notes on my non-retina display, so I can't read it. Um, let me see here. Text is so tiny. So they got SCB Tech, they've got Jewel, they got Kathy Bank, they got the Taiwan Blockchain Alliance. So big names. Um, and there's a uh, there's a page on the Hedera website that kind of breaks down the whole stablecoin ecosystem. Um, so go check it out. Um, kind of breaks all that down. But then we've got um, KYC AML partners um, like Merkle Science, Fortress. We got custody partners like Hex Trust, Zodia. Um, Zodia was actually recently announced. Um, and then they've got smart contract monitors and security. So Halborn, Open Zeppelin, Certic, right? Recognizable names. And then infrastructure partners, Validation Cloud, Not Centralized, Archaia, BCW, um, and then from Hashport, the Proaxium, um, Oracle stuff. So this is cool because these are all names we've seen before. These are brands and companies and projects that we see coming up again and again on the topic of stablecoins on Hedera. Um, so it truly feels like some kind of like, it's like a little bit of a full circle moment in a lot of ways. And stablecoins being, um, again, top of mind uh, for so many people. And there's a couple uh, quotes from this. Um, a Hedera employee on Reddit said, quote, we are excited to announce the launch of the Hedera Stablecoin Studio um, and, you know, the all-in-one stablecoin configuration issuance and management toolkit tailored for Web3 platforms. You know, the Hedera, I think they're really getting out in front of this. They want this to be a big flagship moment. Um, and I think that they're going to be driving the stablecoin stuff pretty hard. Um, and Rob Allen said something interesting on this topic on the HBAR Bull Show um, from Friday. All right. Yeah, it was published. No, it was published earlier. I think Brandon published his episode earlier. But anyways, on this, Rob Allen said in regards to the Stablecoin Studio, he said, um, uh, when we look at USDC, um, a lot of times people go, why are these use cases using USDC on Solana or something like that? And the, the answer is, you know, there's very low liquidity USDC on Hedera, right? There, there just isn't that liquidity um, on Hedera. And that's a big issue and a big stepping stone 
when we look at Hedera's uh, focus on stable coins in our, our next story we're going to talk about. Um, but what Rob Allen says to that is, quote, liquidity on USDC on Hedera is very low because there are no decentralized applications that have really embraced it and adopted it yet. That is going to change. This surge is going to hit us really hard and the regulatory friendliness of certain jurisdictions is going to drive that as well. I see Hedera is very well placed for these stable coins to be a route for this liquidity into the ecosystem. And then we've got the ability to now go cross chain through bridges. So we're really set up and primed to take all this liquidity that's coming into the Web3 space. So I think that what Rob Allen is kind of saying there is um, the pieces are being put into place and there hasn't been a lot of utilization of USDC on Hedera yet. But he's saying that once these pieces are put into place, um, those pathways will be opened up. And again, what he's saying is the 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 intensity that that's going to come out is going to be pretty big. Um, and I want to quickly give a quick overview of kind of, well, how do you create, like we're talking about the Stablecoin Studio. Um, there's, there's some videos that kind of give an overview of how to make one. I actually think there's a YouTube video um, kind of showing a bit of a demo, but just for folks listening, this is how to create a stable coin on the Hedera Stablecoin Studio. First, you define your asset. So you basically choose the pegging asset. Maybe it's a, you know, a, a fiat currency. Maybe it's a commodity like gold. And you define the token precision, like the decimal places. Then, number two, you uh, you know, you you integrate the SDK access. So you access the Hedera Stablecoin Studio SDK for the tools and libraries. Step number three is you configure the token. Um, so you set the initial supply. You've got the token symbol. Um, and that's kind of the HTS element of this, the token service element of this. Step four is you do your reserve management. So you integrate with a custody solution to manage the backing assets. Like we talked about, there's a couple already integrated. Number five is you implement the proof of reserve. So then you set up the automated proof of reserve mechanisms using Hedera's services or third-party oracles. So that's, again, that trust component. Number six is the compliance integration. So you can add the KYC or AML solutions, uh, possibly using smart contract logic. So again, the token service has those features built in, but you can also leverage smart contracts to get a little more advanced. Um, and, uh, you know, you can do this because it's all kind of baked in, um, number seven, step seven is you, you issue the token. So you deploy the stable coin on Hedera using the, uh, token service. Number eight is monitoring. So you use the Hedera's mirror nodes for transactions and tracking the reserve status. Number nine is the optional smart contracts. So that's where you can integrate the Hedera smart contract service for added functionality. So this is important for um, logic, built-in logic that um, a lot of these stable coins will have to have to, for example, meet regulatory requirements or all sorts of different things. That's the magic missing piece here. Um, and then, you know, you're gonna wanna engage developers. You're gonna wanna create that documentation uh, and, that's basically kind of the quick steps of like, if you were to develop a stable coin, that's kind of how you do it on Hedera. And the key thing there is, 
it sounds fairly simple because that's the whole point of this is it's all baked in all the different integrations, all the different heavy lifting you're going to have to have is kind of baked in. That's the real value proposition of the stablecoin studio. It's hybrid, it's smart contracts, it's everything kind of bundled into one and they're trying to make it easy. And that's, I think what Greg was getting at is they want to take it to something you can do in minutes, play around with it, have some fun, experiment and actually do some stuff instead of trying to cobble together a bunch of pieces and get a proof of concept working. Um, so I dig it. Um, and then some community feedback on this. Um, you know, <clears throat> at uh, Helix 1984 on X says, um, uh, you know, he they highlighted Kathy Bank um, joining the Stablecoin Studio as a uh, issuer. And uh, Kathy Bank or Cathay Bank is one of Taiwan's largest commercial banks with a capital value of 67 billion um, and uh, more than 165 branches in Taiwan. So again, these are not just projects. These are like actual major institutions, banks that are part of this Hedera stablecoin studio ecosystem. It's crazy. Um, and H bar to the moon sent out a tweet. I think that wraps this up nicely, which is standard bank, the biggest bank in South Africa, Shinhan bank, the oldest bank in South Korea, Cathay bank, the biggest bank in Taiwan, SCBX, the biggest bank in Thailand are all using the stablecoin studio for cross-border remittances. So, so this is, this is that element. That's kind of like when you read the lines in between and you kind of actually look at this as a whole, um, bigger than we think, I think. Um, and it's kind of like, what impact is this actually going to have to the broader ecosystem? And I mean, you know, it's going to boost Hedera's utility and adoption. And I think it'll make it kind of a go-to platform for stable coins. Um, but really, I mean, this is, you know, a significant advancement, but the real test is going to be adoption rate. That's what it really comes down to is um, how many practical use cases are going to come out of this on the main net Um that's really the big question here. And yeah, this is a, this is really a groundbreaking stuff. It's got the proof of reserves. It's got the integrations. It's got all the good stuff. It's a big collaboration. It's user-friendly. Stablecoin Studio. I dig it. Um, and again, there'll be links and all that kind of stuff included in the blog post uh, after the show. Um, I want to talk about WorldPay now. WorldPay is... Uh, doing some big stuff. They're doing the future of transparent USD settlements and they are using Hedera, but they are also using other web three L ones and Hedera is being used. Uh, I believe in kind of the proof of reserve component through world pay and just a quick note on world pay. And again, this was announced, uh, I believe at the, uh, token 2049 conference. So, uh, overall notes on WorldPay. Obviously, you know, governing council member. They're the number one global payment processor. They do $40 billion annual transactions with $2 trillion annual volume. Um, they run at 1.2 thousand transactions per second. They've got a mi- over a million merchant locations. Um, and most interestingly, they're the number one global payment processor for crypto. And they were the first crypto transaction. Their first crypto transaction was processed in 2015. So pretty wild. They're almost a decade in the space. And they were the first to launch Apple Pay 
and Google Pay for crypto merchants. So World Pay, World Pay is like deep in there when it comes to crypto. Um, seven out of the ten top crypto exchanges work with them, um, and their Oracle's dashboard that they showed um, at the presentation. Um, when you look at the dashboard for those oracles, like it shows Hedera accounts. Um, so this is kind of a Hedera, that this element of this is, is a Hedera use case, which is very exciting. Um, and Solana was chosen by Visa for, I believe, the settlement type stuff. Um, and just a quick note on this too, just before we go into the key points of this is like, um, shout out to Genfinity and uh, the HBAR bull. Uh, for the reporting on this, because they had some really great resources and and uh, breakdowns of this, which was great. Um, so let's take a look at this. Um, this story involves Visa and Mastercard, obviously global payment giants, uh, WorldPay, as we talked about, um, Hashports Axiom, which is an oracle for providing proof of reserve mechanisms. Right, the same oracle also being leveraged for the Stablecoin Studio. Um, and, you know, an Oracle is just a system that fetches and verifies real world data um, for smart contracts. Um, so basically, yeah, Visa, MasterCard and WorldPay have unveiled a pioneering USDC settlement system on that leverages the Hedera network. Uh, this collaboration emphasizes transparency, leveraging Hashpork's Axiom Oracle for proof of reserve. Um, and let's take a quick peek at this. So, um, the uh, when it comes to the transparency and trust component, um, the users can reserve or can view the reserve reports in real time, and they can track oracles on Axiom and monitor validators. Um, and it's just enhanced visibility compared to traditional finance systems. And where does Hedera come into play on this? Because again, we we chatted about this a little bit. Like Visa and Mastercard are using USDC on Solana for this, um, but. That's because, like Rob Allen said, there just isn't the liquidity on Hedera. The the Hedera component comes into play on this when it comes to the proof of reserve um, aspect. Um, and, uh, you know, again, this is the... Uh, I've got a couple notes on this. I wanted to give some examples of how it works. Um, but there was... Yeah, so there was there was a video put out by the HBAR bull... Um, the, the full episode is going to be out on Friday, but it was a it was a a clip of um, Sal Prasad, who is the FIS strategic advisor on the Hedera Corporate Utilization Committee. He's a co-chair. Um, obviously, WorldPay is through FIS, um, and uh, Sal Prasad also put out a tweet recently that he had to delete on this news. I think he was kind of hinting on it. So obviously now he's going to speak more openly, um, but he was asked the question by H. Barbull. H. Barbull asked, um, is this just a side project for WorldPay or proof of concept? Should we expect this to hit the market? And the answer is he says, yes, this will hit the market. This is a settlement service for any stablecoin. It's been implemented with USDC and can extend to any other stablecoin. Potentially CBDCs can leverage this service. So... Um, this is a big, you know, Visa, MasterCard, WorldPay production. Um, Hedera is playing a role when it comes to proof of reserves. Uh, but clearly, this is something that's going to be put into production. 
and there's room to expand for Hedera on this use case in particular. Um, and there's a, you know, a few quotes on this. Um, there was a question that, uh, that, uh, H barbarian asked Brady. Um, they asked quote, it's interesting to see they use oracles and proof of reserves provided by Hashport, not using oracles and proof of reserves by Chainlink, who are in Hedera's governing council and the leading provider of oracles and proof of reserves in the crypto space. So that's a great question. Why isn't this use case using Chainlink when Chainlink is um, a governing council member um, for Hedera? Where's their involvement? Why are they kind of out of the loop on this? And Brady responds, again, Brady is the head of marketing for Hedera. He responds, quote, I have strong personal opinions on this one. <clears throat> Transparently, I believe it was a fumble that council is supposed to act as, quote, experts in the space. And that in that context should have been more adamant about a chain link integration from the onset of smart contracts 2.0 for reasons you've stated. More established Web3 companies needed on the council in brackets happening. So that line right there is the, is the big takeaway is Brady says um, more, they need more established web three companies on the council. And that is happening. So that's a big, that's a big insight here from this story, a little nugget after some digging. Um, and he goes to continue chain link integration is being worked on though, by the way, it's a journey, but the right people are working on it. So obviously um, we've learned that the governing council isn't perfect. Um, not every member is incredible. Um, it's, it's, you know, it might fall into the 80, 20 rule where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Who knows? Chainlink, wake up. Uh, and also to governing council, let's get some more web three companies on the council. Apparently it's happening. Let's make it happen faster. Um, Zepsi does a quote on this too. He says, quote, um, uh, this infrastructure is the stablecoin studio. So this is why the stablecoin studio is so important is I believe it might be able to operate in a little bit of a modular fashion. If you need that proof of reserve component, that can be plugged into even if you are using um, other networks for different aspects of the use case like Visa and MasterCard are with Solana, but still using Hedera for that proof of reserve. Uh, he continues, the stablecoin studio will enable highly scalable coins, uh, this meets demand of regulation and when it comes out, so issuers can be as flexible as possible, more so than any other current offering on the market. So um, these two stories kind of converge in so many different ways, right? Um, and I think that it's going to be interesting to watch um, these dynamics. When I see a story like this and I go, um, there's a component that's using another network that could use Hedera. I'm looking for the headline of like Visa and MasterCard switch to, um, you know, purely using stablecoin studio for their settlement layer and for their stable coins. And it also makes you think like circle as well. Like if you, um, you know, there, there's some breadcrumbs here. If you look at circle, there's a, the, the director at circle, um, commented on Brady's tweet. Again, Brady had a marketing at Hedera. Brady tweeted out a slide from this announcement that showed kind of the, the map of how this works and the different players and integrators. And the director at Circle replied, quote, this is the way. So obviously the director at Circle, who is behind USDC, is aware of this use case, is exciting. So 
people in the Hedera community are kind of going like, okay, there's some connections here. You've got Brady saying the governing council needs more Web3 companies. You've got the director at Circle, you know, commenting on this news going, hey, this is great. Is Circle potentially in the running to be a governing council member? Who knows? Um, that's kind of interesting. We've already talked about Visa breadcrumbs, MasterCard breadcrumbs, but there also is um, uh, a new MasterCard breadcrumb uh, because there is another partnership that uh, MasterCard has with WorldPay. And this is separate from this, this kind of news item, but ties into it. And I just wanted to highlight it here um, and read a quick excerpt from um, a separate announcement involving MasterCard and WorldPay in relation to electric vehicle charging. So, quote, uh, Verda, in partnership with MasterCard and WorldPay, has announced the introduction of the Verta Payment Kiosk Solution, aiming to enhance the electric vehicle charging experience in Europe. This new solution offers card-based payments at EV charging stations, addressing a significant demand from European EV drivers for a more straightforward payment method. Historically, EV drivers have relied on service provider apps for charging, but recent MasterCard research indicates that 65% of Europeans prefer card payments to simplify the process. <clears throat> and again, this, this, this uh, you know, Verta, they are partnering with MasterCard and WorldPay. The Verta payment kiosk not only provides seamless, uh, seamless payment experience, but also makes card payments economically feasible for charging point operators. The initiative with com will commence with rollouts in Sweden, Finland, Norway, Denmark, and Iceland with the goal of enabling card payments on all charging sites in Europe by 2025. So you've got MasterCard teaming up on a second initiative with WorldPay. Is that going to leverage... Um, these types of stablecoin infrastructure and the Hedera stablecoin studio and proof of reserve. We'll have to watch that story too, but so many different touch points from MasterCard with Hedera. It's, it's rumored of course that MasterCard could be a contender for the governing council. So those are the breadcrumbs. Um, <clears throat> but really kind of the, you know, um, when we look at some scenarios of, of um, how does this work, right? We're talking about, um, MasterCard, Visa, USDC settlements, um, Hedera being used for the proof of reserves. How does it actually work? Um, and I ran a couple scenarios here. And basically, um, I wanted to, um, yeah, just give you a couple scenarios. So a merchant transaction, what does that look like? So here's the scenario. A merchant in Europe wants to sell goods to a customer in the U.S., the in the U.S., the customer pays using a Visa or MasterCard, and the merchant wants to receive the payment in USDC instead of traditional currency. So how it works is the customer makes a payment using their card. WorldPay, as the payment processor, facilitates the transaction. And instead of converting the payment to, into euros, the system converts the payment into USDC. The Hedera network ensures this conversion and settlement happen in real time, making it faster than the traditional banking methods, and the merchant receives USDC and their digital wallet almost instantly. Um, so also to another scenario, um, it could be a financial institution wants to ensure that for every USDC in circulation, there's equivalent US dollar held in reserve. So how that would work is Hashboard's Axiom Oracle provides a proof of reserve mechanism. This mechanism offers real-time transparency regarding the availability of funds backing the USDC. 
financial institutions, regulators, and users can view reserve reports, ensuring trust in the stablecoin ecosystem. Um, so again, all these different kinds of components come together. This is a use case. Um, and really, it, it raises that question. Will Hedera become the primary trust layer for all stablecoin operations? Um, Hedera will coexist with other networks. Um, and where does that balance kind of come into play? And I think that the stablecoin studio is Hedera's effort to kind of cut through that noise and become the go-to all-in-one kind of place. Um, so you don't kind of see these pieced together proof of concepts. Um, and yeah, big news. So WorldPay, USDC, yeah, MasterCard, Visa, big names, very exciting. Ugh, oof, Solana on USDC, but we get it. Hedera, yay, being used for proof of reserve. Um, movement in the right direction. I dig it. Um, and again, gonna take a gonna take a little bit of a, a pit stop here to mention some uh, ways that you can support the show and some uh, other things going on. But um, just in this format here, in these top ten stories, um, probably one or two or three of these stories are gonna be very heavy, um, and then the other. Stories will be lighter weight, but obviously the stablecoin studio stuff, world pay USD settlement stuff is huge. So I wanted to take the time for that. Um, and, you know, the Hashgraph Enthusiast show, what you're listening to right now, averages about 500 listeners every week on X spaces and hundreds more on podcast platforms. And over the years, I've covered every major Hedera news event, unpacked almost every major juicy rumor and hosted countless in-depth discussions with important figures in the Hedera ecosystem. And I've been able to broadcast it all live with you guys and, and doing it live is important. You never know what's going to happen. Sometimes I see someone listening. I want to bring them up and talk. It's fun. If you'd like to support the show, consider making an HBAR contribution like many folks in the community have been doing. Even a few bucks add up. Um, again, I'm, I'm, investing in some products that I'm going to be using um, to produce more content for the show, streamline the process, um, do a bunch of new things like I've been doing. Um, and ultimately, I'm going to be uh, purchasing some equipment, uh, some podcasting equipment, like a new microphone and stuff like that. But I'm shifting around priorities on those things. I want to focus on what are things that is going to bring value to the show um, the most straightforward way. So I'm doing a few of those things and putting these contributions to work. Um, you can send a contribution to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet and fun memos are appreciated. The show's full Hedera address is in the podcast show notes, YouTube description, and then the post up on the Jumbotron. Um, and for folks listening live, um, yeah, you can go check it out. Get all the info you need about the show at itsbrandnd.com slash hbar. And also a great free way to support the show is leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts. Leave a comment on YouTube, like, all that kind of good stuff. Subscribe. It helps. It's free. Uh, the, this Hedera community is still tiny but mighty and uh, it's growing rapidly. So let's help this community grow. Brought to you by listeners like you. Greatly appreciated. Who is going to be the new Hedera president? 
Um, so there was a big announcement that came out. It's exciting. Um, and I think that it's kind of in line with a lot of things we've been seeing over the last year or so with Hedera. Um, just big changes. The governing council making big moves, restructuring. Um, it's all kind of this pathway to decentralization. Um, and essentially the headline here is, you know, Hedera has taken a monumental step in the governance structure. They're separating the roles of chair and president. And we're going to have to figure out what this means and kind of who, you know, who's going to be the, you know, the president of Hedera. And I mean, you know, the president is a, a, one of the roles in a, you know, legal entity, right? Hedera is an LLC and um, they've got the board, they got the governing council. Um, and right now, um, Brett McDowell, currently serves in both the roles of chair and president. So people have seen Brett McDowell on interviews and different things like that, where he is the chair of the governing board um, and he's also the president. So they're going to be separating those roles. So Brett McDowell has been reelected as chair for an additional two term uh, period, uh, sorry, two year term. Um, and now they're in search of a president. And, uh, Monique Moreau is another uh, figure in kind of this uh, effort. She is on the board of directors of the Hedera Governing Council. And so basically, the Governing Council announced this change in the governance structure, and they're separating the roles. Um, and this is trying to move further into decentralization. Um, ultimately, this is going to enhance the decentralization of the network. Um, and I think that this is going to support the growth of the ecosystem. Um, I think that there's a lot of, like when we look at Hedera and we go like how centralized or decentralized is it? And on one side, you've got people in the crypto community saying, oh, Hedera is super, you know, centralized. And then you've got H barbarians going, well, actually it's more decentralized than other networks. There are elements of Hedera that are like super centralized that we don't kind of notice. And one of those is the fact that we had one guy, Brett McDowell, who was the, the chair and also the president, one guy in both roles. So these are really important things to pay attention to when you talk about decentralization um, that is an oversight of the community. And I think this, you know, speaks to the transparency of Hedera Um you know, taking a very proactive approach to this. Um, and <clears throat> basically, they're on the search for a new president. Um, they've outlined the criteria. We'll touch on that. Um, basically, the president is going to lead the execution of policies, procedures, and strategic initiatives. Um, and they need someone that reflects the integrity, ethics, um, teamwork, all those kinds of values of Hedera. Um, and it's, it's going to be really interesting to kind of like, I don't, I don't quite know how this is going to be received by the crypto community because, you know, there's quite a few people that, that don't really understand even the basic concept of a corporate structure or a company structure and the fact that, you know, the president is a very traditional role in a company. It doesn't actually mean like you know, the, the same things that 
conjure up to your mind when you hear the word president. Um, but, you know, optically, what's that going to look like? If, you know, if the crypto community, if the Algorand community, Solana community, Bitcoin community see, you know, there's a president of Hedera, right? Let's say that the president is, you know, uh, Johnny Boy, right? Johnny Boy is the president of Hedera. Like, that's a pretty big um, pedestal. And again, I don't know how actually important the role of president is going to be for Hedera. But it sure as hell is going to be very visible. And a lot of people are going to look at the Hedera president and go like, who's the president of Hedera? There's going to be memes about the president of Hedera. Um, and I think it's going to cause a lot of thinking it's going to it's going to be the same kind of vibe as like when Hedera was patented um and pri and, and and not open source and then moved to open source and and some of these unique components of Hedera uh, it'll just be interesting um we're going to have a president um and Monique again on the board for Hedera says quote the separation of these roles will help us better support the growing Hedera ecosystem and enable us to decentralize the network and council functions even further. So again, this is about decentralization. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how this impacts the future of governance for Hedera. Like, will this new president lead um, new paths or bring new insights? Um, are they going to try to take things in a new direction? Are they going to keep things in the current direction? Are we going to see any potential conflicts between the chair and the president, right? Between Brett McDowell and the president? Naturally, when it comes to decentralization, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have um, conflicts, which is healthy. So there will be kind of new conflicts potentially at the very top of Hedera, which will be interesting uh, that we obviously may not find out about. Um, but what does the job look like? What are the roles and responsibilities? Um, so the, the role, if you are applying to be the president of Hedera, this is what you will need. The roles and responsibilities will be leading the execution of council approved strategies, ensuring operational excellence and reporting to the Hedera board of directors, communicate Hedera's strategy, oversee fiscal activities and act as a spokesperson. That's what I'm talking about. They're looking for a spokesperson, the president of Hedera, a very highly visible person. Um, I think that's an element of this that's being overlooked. This is a, a new mascot we're going to get. Who is that going to be? Um, what are the skills and experience? You have to have worked in startup environments and have global enterprise experience, financial, leaders, financial leadership of a comparable organization, strong decision-making, and preferred experience will be leadership in multi-stakeholder governance and experience in regulated industries. And you will require a minimum bachelor's MBA preferred with eight years experience in management and is remote. So if you are looking to apply to be the president of Hedera and you meet those qualifications, go for it. Uh, this is not just a regular position. This is our new mascot. So hopefully it's someone cool. Um, our fourth story of the day is a glitch that happened on the testnet, a sudden surprise shutdown on Hedera's testnet. What went wrong and how did the team respond? 
Um, well, this involves the Hedera team, the DevOps team, and the governing council. Um, and if, you know, the, if for folks unfamiliar, the testnet is an environment for the Hedera network separate from the main net where people can play around with fake HBAR and design and work and build their use cases. Um, and we're, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about consensus nodes, which are the nodes responsible for achieving consensus on the Hedera network. The Google Cloud Platform, which is a cloud service where the testnet is hosted. Um, and <clears throat> basically on September 12th, the Hedera testnet experienced an unprecedented shutdown due to a command sent during an upgrade process. The incident was swiftly addressed with the network resuming normal operations. And basically this event kind of underscores why we need to have transparency in a network like this. So basically... There was an unexpected shutdown of the testnet during a hardware upgrade, um, and the command sent to all consensus nodes caused the simultaneous restart. And the shutdown was initiated uh, by changes in the Google Cloud Platform instance metadata. Um, and basically, these corrupt records were identified, deleted, and the network was restarted successfully. Um, and the takeaways from this was the introduction of a pre, of a pre-consensus event stream for automatic transaction replay after their node crashes. So there's a fix for it. Um, and basically, uh, there's a quote from here. So uh, this is from Hedera. So quote, the simultaneous testnet restart was only possible here, um, unlike the Hedera mainnet. And I mean, this freaked a lot of people out, like a little typo in a message sent to the consensus nodes, um, shut down the test net, uh, yikes, uh, that's freaky. And, and people kind of went, are you saying to me that if there's a typo sent to these commands to the main net, that it can actually, the whole thing could be shut down. Um, and really what this was about continuing here from Hedera, um, unlike the Hedera test net, uh, main net. It says, because the testnet is run entirely on Google's cloud offering and centrally provisioned with HashiCorp, Terraform, infrastructure as code, the central control plane was thus able to shut down the testnet node. So put more simply, the mainnet is distributed across all sorts of different services, right? As we've talked about before, like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and, uh, you know, like 30 other um, cloud providers, um, that basically means that if this were to happen on testnet or sorry, on mainnet um, and that command were to be sent during that hardware upgrade with the Google servers um, and that shutdown happened, all it would mean is that the, the nodes on Google's cloud platform would be shut down. But the, you know, the, the, the 28 or 27 other nodes would be fine because they're not hosted on Google's platform. So, that's kind of the big takeaway here is like, sure, um, when you have the environment running on one provider, yeah, that can happen. But the Hedera is kind of reassuring the community that what happened on testnet, this shutdown that happened because of kind of a, a, a funky command being sent, that, that wouldn't happen on the mainnet. Um, and basically, um, it's that kind of level of transparency, kind of being upfront about it. Um, that's I like to see, um, and I like to see kind of the, those explanations provided. And again, when things go wrong, it's an opportunity to learn about this network. 
um, get a better understanding of kind of how things um, operate. I think my, my dog needs some water. Okay, Georgia. There you go. Got to let her out of the office. Got to stay hydrated. Uh, my dog's going to get some water. I'm going to have a sip of water here too. This, uh, this, this moment sponsored by water. Everyone take a sip of water right now. Stay hydrated. Um, but uh, yeah, back on this. That's the key takeaway here. Testnet's a different beast from mainnet. This can't happen on mainnet. But it was freaky. Um, and uh, yeah, the testnet glitch has been resolved with lessons learned. Uh, our fifth story right now, um, ServiceNow, also a governing council member, um, has a new, uh, you know, use case that's gone live and it's on Hedera. We're going to talk about it. So, um, there's a revolution happening in the world of regenerative finance. ServiceNow is plunking themselves in the middle of it. They got a new product release. Um, and <clears throat> the, the, this is ServiceNow, but this is also Envision blockchain is involved, um, with this, um, and they're associated with the managed guardian service. And this is what ServiceNow is leveraging for, uh, their ESG, um, uh, regenerative finance application. So obviously the guardian is at the center of this. We talk about the guardian quite a, quite a bit on the show. <clears throat> it is the um, tech stack. It is the policy workflow engine that allows so many different use cases like Dovu, like Tomb, like Timeless, like all these different things to <clears throat> move these carbon credits through the pipelines. And for folks unfamiliar, you know, regenerative finance, it's a new approach to finance that replaces traditional finance as extractive practices, focusing on a sustainable financial ecosystem. So a little more cyclical. <clears throat> and we're going to talk about renewable energy credits, uh, RECs. Uh, these are certificates quantifying renewable energy generated, representing one megawatt hour of electricity from renewable sources. And basically, ServiceNow has a groundbreaking ESG refi application. And it is set to redefine um, this landscape as a governing council member by integrating with Hedera's Guardian open source tokenization engine. The application empowers organizations to generate climate assets with a spotlight on renewable energy credits. And this works together, uh, leveraging Hedera Hashgraph's unparalleled DLT, uh, the Hashgraph, to meticulously track climate assets and token provenance. So... The role in this is uh, Hedera as the backbone of ServiceNow's ESG refi application, providing transparent and secure platform for tracking climate assets, ensuring individual token provenance with uh, the speed and security of Hedera, facilitating seamless integration with the Guardian um, open source tokenization engine, um, and the renewal ener renewable energy credits are central to the ServiceNow application's functionality. So like I said, each one represents one megawatt hour of renewable electricity. Uh, the RECs can be stored, transferred, sold, or retired on a Hashgraph account. And tokenized RECs offer advantages like transparent verification and reduce risk of duplicate counting. So again, hitting all those pain points. Um, and again, there's, there's some things that can, like some of the previous stories we talked about today, like the Stablecoin Studio and the WorldPay stuff, a huge component of this is that 
that um, authentication, provenance, trust component, right? That something is backed by the actual asset, that it's not duplicated, that it's not counterfeited, all those different types of things. And that's important in the in the finance space for sure, but um, it's really the nightmare in the carbon offset, refi, uh, um, sorry, ESG um, space. That's the big pain point. So um, this new product from ServiceNow is another one um, trying to address this. And the application aims to replace the traditional finances extractive practices. It integrates with, uh, um, again, the Guardian and focuses on generating climate assets. So basically, what impact are these tokenized RECs going to have on the renewable energy sector? Um, you know, tokenized RECs probably will streamline the process, ensuring transparency and reducing greenwashing like we talked about. But the reality here, to be honest, is, again, this is a common theme with a lot of these things is the traditional system might resist this change. This transition is going to be gradual. Um, it's exciting to see an application like this running on Hedera from ServiceNow, governing council member. But again, I truly feel like this type of use case reaching maturity is going to be a little bit of time. Um, and like I've talked about before, in markets and industries where you have all sorts of inefficiencies and problems, that's opportunity for profit. And the carbon offset space, you know, the renewable space, the sustainability space is full of inefficiencies and problems and fraud and all those different types of things. That kind of stuff generates a lot of revenue. When you take those out of the equation and you solve those problems, a lot of those opportunities for making money go away. So it's, again, this is very innovative. This is a disruptive technology. Um, and I think that ultimately, um, this is going to be, um, you know, this is going to be a good move and it's going to be interesting to see how this enters the news cycle. Exactly. I don't know if the broader crypto space is, is so excited about, um, a lot of the ESG stuff, but I mean, it's it outside of crypto. This stuff is huge. It's one of the number one pain points for enterprise. So seeing a governing council member like service now. Um, with this available in their ServiceNow store now is, is is big. And it's fun too, because like um, when you look at the screenshots in the store, it's kind of like the app store where you can kind of look um, at screenshots of the application. Um, this is a Hedera uh, application. I'm seeing token IDs in the application. Um, I'm it, it looks really robust. And also too, like, it has hash scan built in, right? The network explorer. So this is a through and through enterprise grade um, ESG regenerative finance application from ServiceNow, governing council member. Um, I dig it. This is a this is a big story. Again, bigger than we think. I assume um, our sixth story of the day it re revolves around UAE. So the UAE uh, is you know, really kind of a, a frontier for Web3 stuff um, and is expanding. And Hedera has really positioned themselves as kind of like the heart of a lot of things happening in the UAE. Um, and we're going to take a look at how this partnership is set to kind of open up new pathways, redefine blockchain in the Middle East. Um, and this story involves one of the greatest company names, Do. I don't know how to pronounce it, do or da. It's just 
lowercase d, lowercase u. Um, that's not a vibe. I don't know what is. I love it. Um, and do is the uh, Emirates Integrated Telecommunications Company, EITC. Um, and it's basically the leading telecom entity in the UAE driving the nation's digital transformation. And also the Hashgraph Association is involved. Um, and this also involves uh, proof of stake. Uh, so basically that's a that's a, an appealing component of this is the fact that Hedera is a proof of stake network. These types of things start to grab the attention of some of these larger um, institutional government enterprise type things. And you start to see, you know, like we recently saw Algorand, like we talked about earlier, transitioning to kind of the gossip based proof of stake type thing. You know, it's it, a lot of things are headed in this direction. So in this big partnership, uh, do from EITC has joined forces with the Hashgraph Association to harness the potential of Hedera. This alliance aims to offer innovative blockchain solutions to SMEs, governmental institutions, and municipalities across sectors like manufacturing, healthcare, and more. With Hedera's green and efficient technology, the collaboration promises a sustainable and transformative digital future for the UAE. Um, and this is really where the edge for Hedera comes in, right? I mean, this is the ABFT. It's fast, reliable, fixed fees, low fixed fees, um, carbon negative. That's really the appeal of this. Um, and <clears throat> the scope of the partnership is basically aiming to revolutionize multiple sectors in the UAE, like we highlighted. Um, and the focus is secure, traceable, and scalable. That's the key there is when you look at a lot of these economies, scale is what comes to mind. Like even a, another example of this is what we talked about on the Stablecoin Studio stuff. The fact that um, we're, you know Visa alone processes 148 times the amount of value that stablecoins do. Um, it's just because you don't like stablecoins need that speed. They need that scalability. Hedera appears to have the infrastructure to to make those kinds of things happen. Um, and this is, again, another reason why um, having companies like Google, IBM, and Boeing on the governing council are helpful because like um, Mance, I believe it was Mance, was talking about early on in the days of Hedera, they had to pitch new governing council members. They had to pitch enterprise use cases pretty hard. And now that they have all those names on the governing council member almost acting as validators, um, it's a lot easier now. So I think that these different types of use cases, there's a lot less discussion. There's a lot less pitching. They just kind of move forward. And you've got the Hashgraph Association involved now as well as an accelerator. And we've heard Rob Allen talk a lot about the Hashgraph Association. Um, and that's what this is about. This is about scale. This is about performance. Um, and there's a couple quotes here. There's, there's a few press releases that got put out. From one of the press releases, quote, notably Hedera stands out as the greenest proof of state network according to UCL research. So again, we're starting to see a lot of these foundations laid where that UCL research that was put out um, feels like forever ago, that still is being used as that social proof, that, that industry proof, that scientific proof um, of the climate friendliness component of the network. Um, 
And that's repeated as well in the other press release. And Rob Allen, again, on the HBAR Bull Show on Friday, said the following on this, quote, We've got sustainability manufacturing in smart cities because, of course, the Middle East and Dubai in particular are very focused on future tech and driving change. So, Hedera will be at the heart of all that now in partnership. Um, and again, it, it can't be understated um, how big this is. Like, this is a massive telecom entity in the UAE. They're looking at a bunch of different verticals, again, like manufacturing, healthcare, and more. And there already is so much activity in the UAE with Hedera and just, and just Web3 in general. This, again, feels to me like a lot of great positioning. Um, and I think that this just comes down to partnerships, making partnerships in a bear market. Hedera's, you know, if, if you look at other networks, that's what a lot of them are trying to do. Um, and Hedera appears to be uh, doing it at a level that is, you know, on, to be honest, a little bit uh, more than I than I expected in, in all sorts of global um, facets all over the world. Um, so I dig it. UAE, we're going to we're going to watch how it unfolds, but I'm, I'm just a huge fan of that company name. Do the D.U. I don't know how it's pronounced, but. Um, this is, uh, uh, another story involving Dovu, our seventh story of the day. We're blasting through this. Um, and this involves cars and just a quick note too. This episode's a little longer. It's been 10 days instead of seven. I got a little bit of stuff to pack in. So appreciate you guys, uh, sticking around and listening. Um, this is a big episode with so much change. I'm getting the hang of this new format and I'm trying to catch up on 10 days of news. There's too much happening. Um, so Turbocharging India's eco-friendly car recycling um, with Hashgraph. This is what Dovu is rolling their sleeves up um, on and doing. So India's race to net zero um, is being accelerated. And this is how Hashgraph and sustainability merge to revolutionize cars recycling. And this involves MTC Group, which is a global player in recycling and commodities trading. It also involves NEML which is the powerhouse behind the commodity marketplaces. It involves MMCM, which stands for Metamaterials Circular Markets, uh, which is a partnership between MTC Group and NEML, the two previous we talked about. Um, and this is to accelerate India's circular economy, right? So we have this kind of merging and partnership of those two entities. And then we've got Dovu which is providing new technology for minting sustainability credits um, and offering that transparent registry. So um, let's dive into it. This is again, all about the circular economy, right? Refi um, and, and getting away from that extractive economy um, and sustainability credits, right? These are tokens or credits derived from eco-friendly initiatives. In this case, from the Indian government scheme to retire old vehicles. So issuing those sustainability credits by retiring vehicles. So just to frame this, um, India and these entities will be retiring vehicles, old vehicles, and then issuing those sustainability credits through Dovu at a big scale. And it sounds like they're going to be leveraging what, what Matt Smithies and I talked about on, on episode uh, 92, or no, sorry, uh, maybe my interview was 93. I can't remember. Anyways, 
my interview with Matt Smith, he's from Dovu. He was, we talked about this new carbon offset onboarding wizard that they created where you enter in all this information, it leverages AI, it develops all the different things and does all the stuff. So Dovu built out a huge new project and initiative, and it seems like it's going to be put to good use. Um, and so basically, <clears throat> here's a snapshot of the current scenario with India's car recycling challenge. India has 20 million vehicles nearing their end of life, right? So these are just 20 million cars that are just going to need to come off the road soon. And only 0.1% of these vehicles reach official scrapping channels. So a lot of those 20 million vehicles just kind of drop off the map. And when those vehicles disappear, obviously the carbon footprint goes down, but that isn't really recorded in any way. Um, and 5 million more vehicles will add up to this every year. So there's kind of like 5 million vehicles reaching end of life every year. Um, so what's the role of MMCM, right? Which is kind of that, that joint partnership of MTC group and NEML. So MC, MMCM derives sustainability credits from the Indian government's incentive scheme. So, right, this is the Indian government's kind of going, listen, like we need to incentivize the retirement of these cars, these 20 million cars. Um, they aim to enhance price transparency and foster network synergies and they're committed to driving India closer to its governmental climate goals. So by using Dovu to issue these sustainability credits, that gives you um, the actual marketplace component and the tokenization component, the value component, the ability for um, other companies to purchase these sustainability credits um, and just opening up right that circular economy. Because that's what we talked about with Matt, right, is the fact that there's a there's a huge demand, but there's a lack of supply. So these are the types of projects that are going to bring that supply. And that's what's so exciting about this. And where's Dovu coming into this? Right down to brass tacks. Dovu is going to be minting the sustainability credits. They're going to be providing a transparent registry tracing the credits journey. And they're going to be built on the principle of speed, agility, and simplicity. Like that's Dovu's mantra is like, let's get it going. Let's get it working. Let's make it happen on Hedera at a big scale. So I dig this story. I think this is great. And Dovu has been teasing multiple partnerships in the pipeline. This appears to be one of them. And it feels to me as though we're going to see more announcements in line with this. Um, and I got a few quotes. So out of 10, CEO of MMCM says, quote, as the drive for cleaner mobility and alternative fuels intensifies, the sustainable retirement of older vehicles becomes paramount. Um, and that really reflects the pain point of this. Also, Ifron Watkins, um, who is the, um, I guess, current CEO of Dovu, but I think Dovu has a new CEO. I don't know if that was a typo, but um, Ifron is at Dovu, is a major player at Dovu, previously CEO. He says, quote, this is a hugely significant contract. We have built our platform to be the infrastructure of digital green credits at scale. So again, that word coming up again, scale. That's what this is about. That's the nut that needs to be cracked is scaling. Um, and Matt Smithy's uh, CTO of Dovu kind of brought another perspective to this, which is, quote, funny how everything's come full circle. Complexity will kill. Agility is everything. So... His takeaway for this is really, I think, comes from the last year 
of them being a little quiet and having to do so many different things. You know, quick reminder, they just did a massive token migration. They just announced um, a, a massive roadmap. Um, and then these types of announcements. And it feels like Dovu has taken that spirit of move quickly, keep it simple, stay agile, and offer these products and services to these enterprises and governments. So it's like, let's go. I dig it. I love it. And really the question here is like, um, can India set a global example with this initiative, right? Like this, this kind of expands beyond the crypto web three stuff. Like this is India posturing to be a leader in this initiative. We've watched a lot of, like we've seen America, we've seen um, other countries make these commitments. And so with the right partnerships and technology, yeah, yeah. India could indeed become a global leader in sustainable car recycling and kind of with these commitments to, you know, lowering the carbon footprint. Um, but I mean, like, although this is commendable, I mean, India has a long way to go. Um, and just with the sheer amount of vehicles um, and infrastructural challenges. So a lot of challenges ahead with this, but um, big news, exciting stuff. And it again, it goes back to a Hedera use case, Dovu. So I dig it. Um, and I think that this, you know, this story getting out there, seeing some success, I think is going to be big because um, a lot of innovation is happening in India. Our eighth story of the day, Toko uh, is making moves. Uh, DLA Piper, another governing council member. Uh, there's a theme here today, folks, isn't there? It seems like governing council members are starting to make some moves in a big way. Um, and this, again, is about these areas in the world. We're talking about Dubai right now. So Dubai takes a monumental stride into the future of finance with its first tokenized equity crowdfunding platform. But how does this tie to the broader crypto landscape and Hedera, right? So we're going to talk about Toko FZE, which is a leading innovator in the fintech sector. And this, again, is from DLA Piper that is kind of that global law firm, a governing council member. So Toko FZEs, they specialize in creating data-rich tokens representing fractional interests in real-world assets, right? Important words there. <clears throat> it also involves VirtuZone, which is a pioneer in business solutions and corporate services for the region, aiming to support startups and SMEs. And then Dubai's Virtual Asset Regulatory Authority, Vera, um, is the regulatory body granting licenses for virtual asset services. Um, and then also there's the virtual asset service provider, VASP, which is a business that performs activities or operations for virtual assets. So that's that was one interesting component to this. I'm noticing right now, there's all new terminology and verbiage being created, right? We talked about, again, um, Scott Thiel from DLA Piper talking about TVR versus TVL, right? TVR being a new concept, total value represented. And then I think of traditional acronyms, right? Like software as a service, SaaS. And then I look at VASP, which was mentioned in this article, virtual asset service provider. And I'm like, there's all new businesses and terminology being created in this industry. It's so exciting. Like, I don't know what, I didn't know what a VASP was, but now there are VASPs, um, which, you know, uh, Handle virtual assets. So I think that's crazy. <clears throat> and so, you know, what this is about, 
is Toco and Virtuzone have forged a strategic partnership to launch Dubai's first tokenized equity crowdfunding platform. This move not only solidifies Dubai's position as a hub for financial innovation, but also paves the way for a more transparent and accessible investment landscape. Toku having secured, sorry, Toco having secured a license from Vara is set to revolutionize private equity fundraising using blockchain technology. So um, basically this is, Dubai wants to position themselves as a hub for early stage and fast growing companies and the role of tokenized equity and attracting startups and investors is big. Um, this isn't the old school stuff. This is the new school stuff that we've been seeing um, where things are happening on chain, on graph, right? And this, and there are little threads and elements that kind of um, tie to this, you know, the stablecoin studio and different elements like that. It's start, you start to see these little pathways and threads kind of come together. And this brings a potential increased liquidity um, when you have these tokenized assets there could be more money flowing around which is exciting um, so what is toko's role what's the vision uh, again this is kind of dla piper toko is through dla piper <clears throat> so their unique token engine is highlighted as quote the most sophisticated token engine in the world this engine specializes in creating data-rich tokens that represent fractional interests in real-world assets. This means that assets like real estate, company shares, digital art, and intellectual property rights can be tokenized, allowing for fractional ownership and potentially more liquidity in these markets. That's huge, right? Like stocks for a company, right? Real estate. Intellectual property can be tokenized fractionally and Toko has the platform to do it and they've got the license to do it in Dubai, the Web3 hub. Like that's kind of exciting. Um, and the significance of this VARA license, um, you know, they've been granted that full market virtual asset service provider license from Dubai's virtual asset regulatory authority. This showcases Toku's commitment to the regulatory compliance. Like Toku, you know, Toko and DLA Piper is like, we want to mint securities on Hedera. Like we want to mint stocks. We want to mint these things on Hedera. And they're creating these pathways to do it. Is it hard to do in America? Yeah. Um, but seems like there's ways to do it in Dubai. They got the license now. And their vision is basically about deploying virtual assets on various public blockchains, um, including Hedera, and making this information available only to permissioned users, right? So tokenize this stuff, get it on chain, get it on graph, and then make it so permissioned users can view these different aspects of it. You have that kind of hybrid public-private component to it, which is, again, a huge missing piece. Um, and this on the, on Dubai's end, like this is a regulatory milestone. Um, so I think that when you see DLA Piper with Toku addressing the inefficiencies of these capital markets by leveraging technologies like Hedera, um, this is a law firm, right? So when you've got that regulatory, um, scrutiny of that, of a global law firm, with that technology and they've again they've been working on this for years 
Um, I dig it. It's a vibe. I love it. And again, bringing up Scott from DLA Piper again, he says, quote, the Vera regulatory framework has been a custom designed for virtual asset transactions, providing robust and clear route to market. And um, Neil Petch, the chairman and co-founder of VirtuZone says, quote, we are thrilled to partner with Toco under the Vara regulatory framework and introduce tokenized equity offerings. Um, so I dig it. Now, um, what does this rise in tokenized equity uh, in Dubai, like how does that relate to Hedera? And I think that really it's about, again, like we saw with the world pay stuff, like we see with a lot of different things, Hedera is included with a lot of these use cases, providing aspects of these that no other network can. But a lot of these use cases still leverage other networks like Solana or Ethereum or whatever. And it feels to me kind of like step one. And step one is <clears throat> these, um, these use cases moving forward with plans and things they've been working on for years. And as they roll forward, potentially understanding that Hedera could be leveraged further. And also on Hedera's side, working to put out these products to allow them to do that. And I th again, I think the Stablecoin Studio is an example of that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think this is a, a big story. It's a story of regulations. It's a story of tokenization. And to be frank, we like to dream about tokenized houses and um, tokenized intellectual property and all these different types of things. And I think we're going to start to see it happen. And I think it'll happen a little sooner than we expect. We've already seen a couple demos, right? Um, like the quarter home stuff where they tokenized a house on Hedera. Um, and I think when we start to see the larger scale stuff, it'll be very exciting. And DLA Piper to me just feels like one of those um, governing council members that not only is so super hyper involved in Hedera from a governing council perspective, they are like also building out major use cases. Um, so I dig it. Um, our second last story, number nine, uh, domains on Hedera. I want to touch on this. I don't want to drag it on. I, I talked quite a bit about this on the last episode, but there's some new developments. Um, and I mean, really, the keynote, the key developments here are there is you know, one provider offering domains and specifically .hbar domains. There are other, um, you know, dot domains like .boo, .cream, .hh, you know, all sorts of different things. Um, and the there's only one provider that can uh, mint the .hbar domains and that provider has custody of the registry that holds the do those domains. And now I, what I want to do is just reframe it real quick in kind of the web two um, version of this, which is um, let's give let's give you an example. So let's say that we have, I'll just say some names here. We got GoDaddy, we got Namecheap, and we have Google domains, right? Um, and you want to buy, you know, Hedera.com from one of these providers and Hedera.com is available. And so 
when you buy that domain from any one of these providers, it's those providers don't actually um, control that domain. They are just licensed to provide you service for that domain. Um, at, and at any time you want, you can transfer that domain to another provider for a different type of service. Um, that's how it works in the Web2 world. And there is a um, organization called ICANN. And ICANN stands for the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. And ICANN is similar to Hedera. Like it's not decentralized, of course, but um, it is a nonprofit um, there are all sorts of different elements of it. There's, it, there's, you know, groups of, um, entities and people that have to come to consensus on things. And ICANN is the kind of objective, um, uh, entity that keeps track of all these domains and who is managing those domains. Right. And ultimately ICANN, you know, doesn't sell domains themselves, right? Because that would be crazy. Like imagine if the person in web two that is keeping track of all these domains and where they are and, and all those different types of things. Imagine if they were selling domains, that would be a huge conflict of interest. Even furthermore, those three examples, GoDaddy, um, Google domains and Namecheap, those web two domain registrars, imagine if one of those controlled the registry, right? If GoDaddy controlled the registry, GoDaddy might say, well, we're not going to let competitors um, put registered new domains in that registry. They could just do that. Um, but also in Web2, anybody could open up a new registry and point Google to another website. So if you were to connect to your computer or your device and say, I don't want to use the established um, registry that's out there. I want to use this different one. Then your experience is completely different. Google.com might go somewhere else completely. And so in web two, it's pretty well established and it is pretty well, it's not decentralized, but it's organized and it's, and it takes that power out of the hands of, of those domain providers. So when you get a domain from GoDaddy, you're paying for their service to uh, you know service your domain, they offer you other things like you know website builders or whatever. These these folks compete on product and service. They don't compete on on what domains they can provide you necessarily. And so that's how it works. And so you you look at that and you go, well, to have a domain ecosystem on Hedera be the bare basic, you know, as good as Web2 domains, you have to have the registry held by and shepherded by an objective third party. You can't have the people in control of the registry also selling domain names. But to be fair, you know, who <laughs> who would that be? Um, I, you know, it's tough to figure out who that would be. And it goes to show how early the space is. It can't be stressed enough how early and, and, uh, you know, how early the domain space on Hedera is and quite frankly, how fragile it is. Um, and to me, it's been hard to watch a couple of things because um, in, in all fairness, it's a difficult situation for everybody and things aren't in the greatest shape in the Hedera naming space with the, with the .h bar domains. Um, I've noticed a few issues today where sometimes domains aren't resolving to wallets. Like there's just there's just some issues. And I think that um, right now, 
it's really a time for a little bit of a step back and to put the community first and kind of take a look at these things and go, what what do we need to do to create a healthy domain space on Hedera? Because Algorand just shut theirs down, right? They couldn't get it working. And the Ethereum domain space, right? Like ENS domains, .eth domains work fairly well because um, they have a kind of a smart contract based uh, registry for that, right? On Ethereum. So when we look at the Hedera domain space, um, it's definitely in, in a difficult situation right now. It's in a fragile situation right now. I think a lot of people can feel that. And again, it's just because it's so early. We don't quite know what it is. And we quite frankly don't have the capabilities yet to have it be as good as Web2 domains, as, as, as lame as Web2 domains are. I mean, the problem with Web2 domains are it's hard to sell a domain. Uh, it can be taken away from you. That's not great. But at least um, you have as an objective as you could third party being I can um, watching those domains and not selling domains themselves, not having that that uh, that uh, conflict of interest. And it works pretty well. And again, to be frank, the whole internet runs on domains and all of Web3 runs on that system. Everything. Um, and it works pretty well. So in the Hedera uh, domain space, again, I don't want to go into details. It's just the reality is, is that there's lots of problems. And I really empathize a lot for projects um, that are working to bring utility to these domain names. I mean, Hashpack just built, um, you know, the ability to have profile pictures and, and your .hbar domain as your profile. I think that's amazing. And I also think that domains on Hedera are going to be amazing. Like, I think that it could be, it could be great. Like Hedera is the network that you could bridge web two domains to. You could move a .com to Hedera. It's the perfect network to do it. I think, it, I think Hedera has a big space uh, role to play in domains going forward. But hopefully this is just um, a bump on the road there. But I've been seeing some things that concern me. Um, you know, if you have one provider selling domains, I mean, it's not really a domain space. It's, you know, like, how are you going to find what the price of these domains are? You know, it's, if you look at GoDaddy and Namecheap and uh, Google Domains, it's like there's a reason domains cost about ten to twenty dollars a year. It's because that's what people want to pay. And I, you know, being able to at any time I want be able to switch from one provider to another um, is important to me because, like, sometimes someone has a better price, someone has a deal, someone has a better <coughs> a better service. I like to be able to do that. So shows how early we are in the domain space. Um, we got, we got kind of, well, we do have multiple providers, but one provider that can do dot H bars. And if there's any key takeaway from the community on this, it's, it's that, um, there is a major gap, a, a major knowledge gap from the top to the bottom in the Hedera ecosystem of how domains work currently and how they're supposed to work. Um, I just think still people don't have those reference points. Um, and <clears throat> you know, when we look at the current state of things, it's not working great. You know, not every provider can do it and it's kind of confusing and people are having problems with renewals and all these kinds of things. It's a very confusing time, right? And um, 
the problem I have, if we have all these issues and we have all of these concerns and all of this anxiety, um, and, and, you know, why are we trying to sell these so hard? Like if this is a product that's, 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 that's having so many problems that has so much promise, I'm just seeing tweets every day trying to sell me these dot H bars and, and creating this FOMO. And so I will say to that, that's my one, that's my one major gripe. People have been tagging me on X constantly asking for my opinion on this and everything like that. And I've said my piece on the show last week and I'm saying it again now. It's very top of mind for people. It's very important. And I just, domains are an important aspect of the internet. I think Hedera has a great place in it. Um, but to be honest, it's just so disappointing to see um, this completely crippled product be pushed so hard to the community. Um, just stop it. You know what I mean? Like just the, they're available. That's great. But the underlying architecture is just not working properly. And there's so much confusion and anxiety. Um, don't tap into that to sell domain names. Now is not the time to be, you know, advertising to people. Nobody cares. Those tweets that are being sent out aren't being liked on. All the comments on them are people asking for information and they're confused. Um, and it's, you know, I think that there's some cool developments happening, but it's time to put that to a stop for now and focus on um, listening to the community Um focus on solving some of these problems and coming together and ultimately finding um, a way to have an objective third party or smart contract or um, however it needs to be architected um, to hold this registry so other providers can participate in it. And um, that's, you know, that's the blue sky stuff here. And uh, it's just because we don't have a lot of information to go off of. We don't really know what's happening. And I'm not mentioning any particular names because I'm not out here to uh, besmirch anybody or anything like that. I'm I'm talking about the domain space on Hedera. It's important to me. I think it's I think it can be a wonderful, beautiful thing. Um, people still have them as their profile names. Like people still use them as part of their identity. It's important to people. And to kind of see this happening and, and see the product and the, and the infrastructure in such a sorry state in need of so much love and, and, and just not working properly, um, you know, I think that that's, you know, that's reasonable. I can get that. It's a tough time. But trying to sell these to people right now and pushing that and creating that FOMO is too much. Um, so I would say that's my feedback and I had to, I, I had to say something about it just because I think that it's just ridiculous. Uh, I think people should be able to buy them. I think the providers, you know, they're, they're going to figure some stuff out, you know, stuff maybe isn't working perfectly, you know, that's one thing, but now is not the time to push these on people and create FOMO and, um, leverage that anxiety to make profit. It's not, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for the network. Um, we don't need it, so stop it. Um, now, let's go on to our 10th story, our last story. Uh, this involves MetaMask. This one's very cool. I know it's the 10th story. It's not up in the rankings. Um, it's just because there were so many crazy news items today. Uh, but 
this involves MetaMask, this involves Tomb Technologies, um, and this involves Snaps. MetaMask announced new Snaps, and this is a way to kind of add new functionality to MetaMask. Um, and um, so we're going to talk a little bit about in this story about decentralized identifiers, DIDs, which are a new type of identifier that enables verifiable self-sovereign digital identities. We're going to talk about VCs, which are verifiable credentials, which are, you know, digital statements made by the issuer about a subject and self-sovereign identity SSI, which is a digital identity that is fully controlled and owned by the individual. So Tim Technologies has launched the Identify Snap for MetaMask, focusing on decentralized identifiers and verifiable credentials. This innovation specifically designed for the Hedera network is set to revolutionize digital identity, giving individuals more control over their data. The collaboration between Tomb Technologies and MetaMask Snaps identifies a major, or signifies a major leap. So, um, this is basically what, you know, when we, when we look at individuals control over their data, that's a huge topic of conversation. And also when we look at the entry points into Hedera, being able to interact with the Hedera network in any capacity through MetaMask is going to be huge. Um, so as we start to see identity become more prevalent in the real world in crypto, this positions Hedera really, really well. Um, and so this identify snap integrates with MetaMask and the identify snap allows users to create a unique DID, right? DID using their private key and Hedera account ID. The collaboration enhances the capabilities of MetaMask introducing support for DIDs and VCs on Hedera. And, um, this snap also allows third-party developers to introduce new features into MetaMask um, and the potential of self-sovereign identity in the decentralized tech landscape. And so the vision of MetaMask snaps is to revolutionize user interaction and customization. So that's the MetaMask side. That's kind of the Hedera side. And you've got Tomb Technologies kind of going, okay, MetaMask, you want to allow people to add new functionality to MetaMask? Well, we're going to create a new snap for identity that is built on Hedera. Um, and I feel like we're going to start to see more of these types of things happen because MetaMask is, is the wallet that, you know, I, I would safely say the majority of crypto users um, have. And imagine if you wanted to onboard someone into the Hedera ecosystem to either, you know, buy HBAR or um, interact with a dApp like um, you know, hash guild or, or, uh, hash guild or Centex or Zeus market or saucer swap or heli swap or like whatever. Um, but being able to use just MetaMask, that would be crazy. Um, so this is kind of a step to that. And I think we're going to start to see more MetaMask snaps. Um, and so, um, uh, Donald Bullers, who's the CEO of Tomb Technologies, says, quote, identify Snap, our latest innovation, stands as a testament to our ongoing vision, a sophisticated plugin that can seamlessly integrate with a wide range of applications, augmenting the native capabilities of MetaMask. And uh, Christian Montonia, 
Uh, the senior product manager at MetaMask Snaps says, quote, empowering developers with essential tools to unlock the full potential of self-sovereign identity is not only crucial, but also enables individuals to reclaim control over their data. So MetaMask uh, obviously making meta moves. And so how will Hedera's uh, involvement shape the future of digital identity? Um, I think that, you know, we talk on this topic quite a bit. Rob Allen talks on this topic quite a bit as well. And, and I mean, Manson Lehman, uh, Manson in particular coming from a uh, digital identity background at, uh, I think it was, what was it? Ping identities. I can't remember where he was at, but anyways, Mance has a massive background in that co-founder of Hedera. Um, but really it's like, um, I think that Hedera brings a particular pedigree when it comes to identity, um, because of the speed and low cost of the network, it's going to be really interesting to see what types of things are going to be able to be done. Um, and again, this is going to come up against resistance. This, these identity plays, um, you know, we're just going to have to see kind of how it, how it plays out. Um, what was the, what was the other thing? Rob Allen mentioned something really interesting. Oh yeah. He mentioned, he said a lot of resistance when it comes to these topics of identity use cases, uh, often it's assumed these identities are for people, but Rob Allen says that very well, these identities can mostly be for things. So this is about this particular use case is about people having control over their identity, but in the larger implications of this kind of type of use case, when we talk about identity, we're also talking about um, products and different things like that. And he says, um, identity is a huge component to a lot of use cases already on Hedera, like Atma.io. He's like, each of those products moving through the supply chain is like an identity. So that was also something interesting to me um, that I try to keep in mind when we're talking about these types of things is, understanding that a lot of these different types of identity use cases can be referring to things instead of people. Um, and yeah, I think the future of identity is decentralized. And I mean, this get, like when I read stories like that, it gets my brain going about, you know, DREC, right? Decentralized recovery and all the different components of your life that are going to be stored on there and just so many different things. Um, it's crazy. And I think that, uh, you know, when we look at, um, tomb technologies, they're going to be one to watch. Um, because I, if I recall, um, I want to see if I can look up something. Uh, where is it? They had some kind of, I think there was another headline that they had recently. I can't remember. There was some other news earlier this year that they had that was interesting that I want to reference, but, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but anyways, Tomb Technology, shout out. So the week continues and we covered the top 10 stories in the Hedera ecosystem, plus a couple little extra little bits. I appreciate everyone for uh, sticking around. Before I share my final thoughts for the week, a huge shout out to everyone listening live on X Spaces right now. Another shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and an extra shout out to supporters of the show. The contributions mean so much. And when we think about what we talked about today, we talked about quite a bit, right? Stablecoin Studio from Hedera, Hybrid Stablecoin Studio, uh, WorldPay, <clears throat> USDC Settlement, Leveraging Hedera for the Proof of Reserve, 
Um, a new Hedera president role. Again, we're talking about the mascot of the network. They want this to be a spokesperson. This isn't just some kind of corporate behind the scenes thing. This is like a whole new dynamic of the network. Um, I have a feeling this is going to be a person we'll be seeing a lot of as a community. Um, we talked about that test net glitch. It was scary. It was freaky, but it's not going to happen on mainnet. Um, we talked about service. Now we talked about, uh, the UAE and the, their kind of web three boom with Hashgraph at the center. We talked about Dovu and India's green car shift. We talked about Dubai's tokenized future. We talked about domains and we talked about two and it was a big week. And I think again, it's bigger than we think. Um, there's been so many breadcrumbs we've talked about, you know, governing council member rumors. Um, but I truly think some of the announcements this week, specifically, you know, the stablecoin studio stuff and the world pay uh, Visa MasterCard stuff. Um, there's so many connections that can be made. There's so many threads that can be pulled. There's so many different themes and topics to these that I feel all are connecting or converging in some way that I don't quite know what's happening, but it just does feel like something new is in motion now um, at a higher level. And it's going to be very interesting to see what these first use cases are. Because a quick reminder, right? Like um, Greg Scullard from Swirls, he said that the recent proof of concept that Shinhan Bank did with the stablecoin remittance um, used the stablecoin studio. So it's already something that has been used out of a large scale. So that's going to be really, really, really interesting stuff. And it's all tackling, you know, regulatory issues, speed issues, scalability issues. Um, it's, it's just so exciting. And I truly feel it's bigger than we think. Um, even like the Hedera president stuff. I think it's bigger than we think. I think people were like, Oh, the president, who's going to be the president, you know, interesting, crazy, but this is going to be someone that needs to be charismatic. They need to be a great presenter. They need to be someone who's not afraid of being in tons of different memes. They're probably going to get a ton of heat initially. Uh, they're going to like in the job description, Hedera is specifically stating they're looking for a spokesperson. So this stuff I feel is bigger than we think. And it also makes me think looking forward, you know, what's coming? Like we're overdue for a governing council member, right? Um, we've got all sorts of new things coming down the pike. And I just, I don't know. The, the, the What Hedera is doing and what's happening on the network, it's really hard uh, to not get excited about it. And also too, quick shout out in LA, October 6th to 8th, the Hello Future Live uh, event, meetup, conference. There's a bunch of people going. I will be going. Um, it's going to be in LA. We'll be vibing. We'll be meeting up. Uh, there's going to be some uh, projects out there presenting some stuff. There's going to be music. There's going to be uh, Manson Lehman will be there. So anyone who's going to LA for Hello Future Live, shoot me a DM. Would love to meet up. Would love to connect and hang out. And shout out to Elizabeth from uh, Hello Future Buzz for organizing that event. It ain't easy putting on these types of events. So shout out to Elizabeth, a true H-Barbarian, LA, October. Let's make it happen. And that's a wrap 
for the Hashgraph Enthusiast News, episode 94, Bigger Than We Think, broadcast live on Spaces every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms the following day. Um, I will have a new guest on the show. I'm figuring it out. The show's switching around, like I said at the beginning, so I'm going to figure that out. Follow me. Stay tuned. I will be announcing my next guest, and it should be a great conversation. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, you can send an HBAR contribution to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. The, the show's full Hedera address is in the podcast show notes, YouTube description, and in the post pinned to the top of the spaces. Um, a quick note, uh, I think there's like issues with domains, so I don't know if you send your HBAR to enthusiast.hbar if it will work, so you might just have to use the regular Hedera account for now. Get all the info you need about the show at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. I will see you next Wednesday for the news, and as usual, for everyone tuning in right now, as I always say, if you see a profile picture of a person that you haven't talked to in a little bit, click it now. Send them a DM, ask them what's new. I guarantee you they got something new going on. Let's stay connected. And if you see someone listening right now in the in the X spaces here that you don't recognize, well, you've got something in common. Give them a follow, shoot them a DM, ask what's up, um, and uh, you know see what's going on because uh, that's what this is all about. And uh, that's what Web three is uh, creating connection. Let's make it happen. And with that, hello future, goodbye past.